0: Thank you so much. Happy Sabbath, family. It's good to be together on this beautiful Sabbath day in this beautiful place and uh, have the opportunity to openly and with freedom share God's Word. Amen? I want to thank the Carolina Conference again for the invitation to come back to beautiful Carolinas and to enjoy this camp meeting with you here. I also want to remind you that one of the reasons we're here is because we are entreating, we are looking for partners in prayer for our work in China. So if you have an opportunity this afternoon, come by our booth right next door and you will find On the table, if my wife and I are not there at that minute, you will find a card that looks like this. And I'd like you to take one of these. And uh, you'll notice on the table there are two little booklets, and you can open them up, and you'll see a list of 100 unentered cities in China, 60 of which have a population greater than a million. And each of those cities do not have a single Adventist congregation. And we'd like you to just sign your name on there and say, I'm going to pray for that. Put your email address and the director for Adventist missions or our global mission, which is my wife, will be contacting you, sending you information on how to, to pray and what to pray for for these cities. I believe in prayer and I hope you do too. And we need prayer to reach the millions and millions of people in China. And I'm very grateful that that Audrey my wife is here with me Audrey I'm sorry would you mind just standing And say hi to the people here in Carolina <laughs> My wife is here with me And she is uh, working very closely Leading out in our, in our church planting work in China And so please take one of these And, and, and if you don't want to sign there You can just write to this email address on here And we can be in touch with you We need your prayers for China I was looking up Pastor uh, Leslie, the members, of the population of Carolinas, And North Carolina, population is ten million, and I just have—I live in a city of seven point five million, which is Hong Kong, and then I, right next to me, about uh, five minutes north of us, is the city of Shenzhen, which has twelve million, and then if you just travel about thirty miles north of there, you get to the city of Guangzhou, which has eighteen million. And then if you go a little bit to the left, another maybe 30 miles, you'll get to the city of Juhai, which has 2 or 3 million. So within the, what we call the Gulf, the greater Pearl River Delta area, within, you know, a couple hour drive, we have over 35 million people living just in that neck of the woods. Brothers and sisters, we serve a God that can do impossible things. Amen? We just have to see it and live in that reality and that's what i would like to talk to you about this morning again let's bow our heads for prayer father in heaven we come to you we've come to you and we come again asking for your holy spirit to fill our hearts there are many distractions many of which are right in our hand with our cell phones maybe we come in here with the burdens of the week the challenges broken relationships Whatever it is Lord Let us see Jesus this morning Please You tell us that you are more willing To give us the gift of your Holy Spirit Than parents are to give good gifts to their children So we claim that promise Now please Send your Holy Spirit Speak through me And touch hearts That we will leave this place In love with Jesus our Lord and Savior We pray this in your name Amen. When you and I became disciples of Christ And entered into this kingdom of God We should have at that moment Changed out our eyesight And seen the world in a completely new way Jesus, you see, no longer was a historical figure That lived 2,000 years ago But now Jesus to you and me is our Savior, is our living God who is in the sanctuary of heaven preparing a mansion, coming to get us soon, amen? When we are a part of the kingdom of God, we see things different. In essence, we have a different worldview. And I would like to suggest to you that worldviews are critical on how we view and work and live in this world. It affects everything we do. Now, you're saying, what do you mean, Pastor Bob? I understand worldviews, but I don't know what you mean when you say that it affects everything that we do. Well, it affects the way that you view the floor. I'm not kidding you. The way you view the floor. Why are you all sitting in chairs this morning? Why aren't you sitting on the floor? Why is it that there's an entire industry around the world, and especially in the West, dedicated to lift you off the floor? Chairs, tables, beds, sofas, everything to get you off the floor Why? Because in your view, in the world view that you and I have The floor is what? Dirty I mean that's why I grew up with this five second rule Now I've been in certain places that I've heard it's called the three second rule And I just figure the floor is dirtier in those places But what is a five-second rule? You can take that snicker bar or whatever it is that fell down, and as long as it does not stay in contact with the microbes on the floor for more than five seconds, you're free and clear to finish it. You see, that is just an example of the worldview we have. The floor is dirty. Now, if you come to my neck of the woods, you will find something completely different. If you come to my neck of the woods, you will find that the floor is viewed differently when you come into the house when you come into even churches you take off your shoes why because the floor is clean you sleep on the floor in certain places in Asia you sit on the floor to eat you sit on the floor in the living room in fact in many churches you take off your shoes when you go to church and they have this big wall full of cubby holes for you to put your shoes in when you go in and you know what i always chuckle because i'm never worried that anybody's going to take my shoes i know i've never had them gone they're always there waiting for me when i come back because they're so big but why is that it's because of the worldview completely different worldview Now it also affects how we eat I remember when I first went to China For some reason it never crossed my mind That moving to China I would need to learn to use these two little sticks Which the Chinese call kuai zi And which you and I call what? Chopsticks Which by the way is all I can pretty much play on the piano (laughs) It's beautiful music, amen? This morning and I sat down at my first meal My wife and I were there And it's always round tables and, and, and I looked in front of me And there was no fork There was no normal spoon That I'm used to seeing All I saw was these two sticks And then I noticed that in China They don't eat with a big plate You see here in the United States They give you a big plate to eat, eat with You pile it high They give you a small shovel And you have about 15 minutes To complete your meal. Now, we're we're laughing, but come on, there's some truth to this, right? And we created the fast food industry, right? And so when you get there, no, no, that's not how you eat. You eat with a small bowl that fits in your hand, about this big, and they give you two sticks to eat rice with. Check that out. And you take your time, you fill it up, you talk And you sit there and you talk and you eat and you enjoy the fellowship Meal times are times for family and friends and fellowship Totally different worldview And it even affects how you eat and what you eat Do you hear me say what you eat? It also affects what you eat Your worldview affects what you put in your mouth. When we were living in Beijing, my wife and I and our kids, we loved to go on Saturday night to a place called Xiaochijie, which means the little eating street. And it's about a quarter of a mile long, full of roadside stalls making all kinds of yummy, yummy food. And we were walking along looking for something to eat. And we came across a table with a jar on it. And I didn't pay much attention to it. But my two kids stopped and were peering intently at this jar. We looked down ourselves. And we noticed that the jar was moving with live scorpions. I'm not making this up. And one by one, these scorpions were trying to jostle their way to the top, and it was just alive, probably a hundred of these scorpions. And as I'm looking, and as our kids are looking, we're looking in there, and we're talking to ourselves, my wife and I are like, what is this doing in this eating place? Here comes a gentleman, and he says, 请问先生,这个东西多少钱? Saying, excuse me, sir, how much are these? And the guy replied, Four four uh, dollars for one. Give me three of them. And so we watch as he takes some very long chopsticks, which I find very practical in this situation. (laughs) Very long chopsticks. And he reaches down in and he pulls out one and he skewers it. And then the second and then the third. And then, I had not noticed it before, but right next to the jar and the table was a big vat of oil boiling oil and he just puts them in there and he fries them as he's talking to the customer we are standing there all four of us like this (laughs) and then he pulls it out and I noticed this he takes some salt shaker and he salts them and by the way I recommend you do that at home add the salt is much better I'm just joking, I've never tried that I would not recommend doing it But they added the salt And I have a picture Boom, he puts them in one at a time Crunch, crunch, crunch Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful How can that be? Scorpions? Well, the world view Especially in the context of Chinese medicine Says that scorpions Because they have small amounts of poison Act to fight disease in your body So, having a scorpion a day will keep the doctor away. (laughs) Do you get the picture? How our worldview affects everything? In fact, it should even affect the way you view animals because up until the day, When Balaam was offered that massive check to curse the troublesome Israelites, he had always viewed donkeys as simply beasts of burden and rather stupid. Handy for carrying loads, useful to take you for point A to B, but certainly not something that you would have a conversation with. But we find the story recorded in Numbers chapter 22, verse 26 to 31 where everything changed. Do you remember the story as he was on his way trying to catch up with the emissaries, trying to get that money that was promised him? The donkey kept veering to the right and the donkey kept veering to the left and the donkey went off across a field. You can read the story. And then the donkey went up against a, a stone wall and hurt Balaam's leg and he was getting angrier and angrier and he was wielding that stick and, and hitting that donkey until finally, the story goes, he stopped in the middle of the road And he would go no farther. And Balaam in frustration stands up. And he he takes the stick and he starts hitting the animal. Hitting the animal. And then in the midst of this terrible scene of animal cruelty and human anger. God opens this mouth of the donkey so that it could speak. And what does the donkey say? What have I ever done to you? that you would beat me these three times. And by the way, you think I'm making this up. You can go look this up in the Bible. It says it just like that. Balaam said, because you have been playing games with me, if I had a sword, I would have killed you by now. The donkey said to Balaam in reply, am I not your trusty donkey on whom you've ridden all these years until now? Have I ever done anything like this to you before? Have I? Have I? Huh? 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 And Balaam replied, no, you haven't actually. And then the Bible says, God opened Balaam's eyes that he might see. Question for each of you this morning. Was Balaam blind? Could he not see the road, the wall, the field? Could he not see the donkey? Absolutely, he could see. But the Bible says, the Bible says that God helped Balaam see what was truly going on with the universe next door he saw God's angel blocking the way brandishing a sword And Balaam the Bible says fell on the ground and his face was in the dirt he knew that he had failed he was humbled in front of this majestic God Balaam had forgotten, you see, his calling. He had ignored the other universe where God reigns supreme. He had fallen for the flattery of men. He had succumbed to the cunning influence of the coin. But on that road, at that moment, God peeled back the veneer that separates us from the kingdom of God, and he saw clearly. I love this story, brothers and sisters. You know why? Because it cuts right to the heart of the challenge that we face living day to day in this world We are so easily consumed by the universe that envelops us And, and, and we interface with, with our five senses That we forget as James Sire states so well in his book on worldviews, We forget the universe next door And that is the universe, brothers and sisters, that really matters Do you agree with me? That really matters matters jesus came into this world to announce he came into this world to broadcast far and near that the universe next door was now a universe ready to welcome sojourners from this earth to welcome disciples of Christ to come and worship the king and to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so we are called now to live in that kingdom daily, to let the world know and to see in our lives that we do not live in this world. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we are daily communing with Christ and his kingdom. That is why we're here. And so the call of your Savior and the call of my Savior is to live a totally sold-out, surrendered life for the sake of the King and His kingdom. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. To dedicate our God-given gifts for the all-consuming cause of building this kingdom, living in it, not as an idea, but as a reality. What does that mean practically? What I'm saying is that if you are a nurse, then you are a nurse for God and His kingdom. Amen? If you're a doctor, if you are retired with all the gifts and experience you have, you have not been called to just retire. You've been recalled to do what? To serve the King and His kingdom. Amen? His calling becomes your calling and that is to grow and to expand the kingdom of heaven to call people to enter into the reality of the universe next door to allow the pervasive and all-consuming reality of Christ and His kingdom to dictate everything that we do let me get practical and since I get on a since I leave Carolinas tomorrow I can speak freely today what does it mean practically to be disciples of Christ? What does it mean to live in the universe next door? It means that it affects everything about your life. It touches not just one day in seven. It touches every day, amen? It doesn't touch just $1 out of 10. It touches everything you do with your money. It touches what you watch on TV. It touches on what you do with your phone. It touches how you communicate with your neighbor and your spouse and your children. It affects everything. Why? Because the universe next door should be all-consuming. Amen? Then and only then, I believe, can we truly say we're homesick for heaven when we start living in the atmosphere of heaven, in the kingdom of heaven today, right now. Now, let me come back a minute to this issue of a worldview. We must ask our Master... Jesus Christ to open our eyes like he did Balaam it's so easy to go an entire day and not think about the eternal realities like Balaam we get caught up with the things of this world we need to daily as we wake up in the morning come to God Jesus and say open my ears that I could hear your sweet small voice open my eyes that I can see and perceive and filter things the way you see them and filter them. We must be like David, who though he was full of experience as a seasoned soldier and general, when he was elected and brought about as king of Israel... And he faced his first military challenge because the Philistines had said, well, this is a new, a new king. Let's attack him now when he's fresh and he hasn't consolidated his powers. So in Second Samuel 5, it says that they all came together close to Jerusalem there and they lined up in battle to face Israel and its brand new king. What did David do? Did he say, well, I have lots of experience in this. I know how to beat these Philistines. I have a whole list of accomplishments. Did he, did he just say, let's go fight? Not at all. Because he lived in the universe next door. He knew where his strength was coming. He knew that the battle belonged to who? The Lord. And the Bible says he went to God in prayer. And he says, what do you want me to do? And God says, I want you to go and array yourself against him tomorrow. Because I will bring a great victory. And that is exactly what he did. In fact, it was such a great victory that the place where the battle took place was renamed Baal Perazim. Which means breakthrough of water, another way that we could call it is a tsunami God just overwhelmed them, overwhelmed the Philistines but then a few weeks later the Philistines regrouped and they came back and said now is the best time that we can uh, overthrow this new king what are we gonna do so they came back and they faced again lined up ready to fight against David what did David do he said well last last couple of weeks ago I, I had this victory I know how to beat them this time no because once again David lived in communion with god and so he went to god again and he says what do you want me to do do you want me to go and fight them and you know what god said i'm going to let you see it yourself i love this text look at this therefore david inquired of the lord and he said you shall not meet god said to him you shall not go up circle around behind them and come up upon them in front of the mulberry trees and it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees then you shall advance quickly for then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the philistines don't you love this so just think about it you're a soldier you're just Mr. Soldier in Company X, and with uh, with the group uh, here, and you're sitting there, and you're ready to attack, and everybody is standing there in the early morning hours. And what are they doing? Shh. shh. Everybody's waiting. All the soldiers are ready to fight, but they say, "No, you've got to wait for the sound of the angels marching in the mulberry trees," and they're all waiting and they're all waiting. Can you imagine what it would have been like to stand under those trees and hear the marching of angels? Mm. Mm-hmm. I love this story just like I like Balaam because it just tears away the veneer that separates me from the eternal universe of God's kingdom. Amen. Who knew it? that all the time there were angels on top of trees. Did you know that? Did you know that there are angels here this morning? They're here. They're with you. His Holy Spirit is with us. Brothers and sisters, David knew that his power came from God. David knew that what he saw smelled the strength of his arms and of his army was nothing if he was not connected with the universe next door. And it's the same for you and me, brothers and sisters. When we wake up in the morning, unless we commit ourselves to Him and His kingdom, then we are walking blind all day long. We must have this kind of worldview. We must be like David. Every day, living in the trees, under the trees, waiting to hear the sound of the angels walking and marching. I find myself kind of um, numb a bit with this thing we call the great controversy. We are so numb sometimes to the pain and the battle that is going on around us. I don't know if you saw this terrible massacre yesterday, 12 people gunned down in, in, in Virginia somewhere. Terrible, but you know, we just like, okay, now we switch to the other channel. People who are attacked with and taken down by cancer, by disease, by just terrible things. Brothers and sisters, we are living in a great controversy. How is it that we dare to step out of our room without being covered by the righteousness of Christ? How is it that we can expect as a church here in Carolina to really push back the boundaries of darkness without being covered daily in the power of Christ's light? Amen? Amen. I want to just ask, please, uh, audiovisual folks to just turn off the live theme of stream at this time. I just want to share with you a story, and it's a little sensitive to share over the Internet. We need to let our light shine. Can I hear an amen? amen. We need to hold our, the cross of Christ high. Can I hear an amen? amen? God is calling us to live for Him, not hide for Him or blend for Him. The greatest need in our church is for Christians who are 100% committed to Christ and His kingdom. Paul, the first century apostle who gave his life for the cause of the cross, wrote this. It was our scripture reading, and I want to highlight it. Therefore, we do not lose heart, he says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Yes, you're going to go through difficulty because you're in a great controversy. Yes, you're going to go through trials. Hey, expect it. In this world, you will have tribulations. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, Jesus says. But he goes on to say, while we do not look at things which are what? Are you with me? Which are what? Seen but at the things which are not seen. He goes on to say, for the things which are seen are what? Temporary, they're gone. And then it says, but the things which are not seen are what? Eternal, amen? Amen? The kingdom of God. Is eternal our faith in Christ is eternal it connects us with eternity and that is what should dictate and guide our life I love how Dietrich Bonhoeffer puts it he says salvation is free but discipleship will cost you your life do you agree with me you see you can say that you follow Jesus and he gives you eternal life for free and that is the wonderful thing of God's grace that is wonderful, three. It's a gift of eternal life. But once you become a disciple of Christ, He does not ask for 50% of you, He asks for all of you. Amen? Your, to be a disciple of Christ will cost you your life. In China, we have a saying. You hear it often. People will say it Hey, how was your meal? Ah, ma, ma, hu, hu. That says, ma, ma, hu, You remember a few nights ago, I shared with you the word ma, right? Ma, ma is mother, okay? No, Ma is mother, Ma is horse. Yeah, we talked about that. Ma hoo, hoo means horse, horse, tiger, tiger. So if somebody says, How was your meal? And it wasn't very good, you say, Ah, Mama ho hoo. It was so so, not that good. If you say, How was your trip? Oh, Mama ho ho How was your trip? Ah, so so. What the thinking is with this is What good is something that is half horse, half tiger? If it's a horse, you can ride it, you can pull things with it, you can race it, but a half a horse, what good is that? If you're a tiger, boy, strong, anything is possible. But if it's just half a tiger, it's no good. I remember I was riding a bus in Kaohsiung, Taiwan, southern Taiwan, and, and, and many times when I'm in China and people want to come talk to me, And practice their English. I don't know why. I I don't understand why they think I'm a foreigner. So so I'm sitting there, and the guy starts talking. He's a college guy, and he's talking to me in in English, and I said, well, I want to practice my Chinese, so why don't we do this? You speak to me in English, and I'll speak to you in Chinese. Ah, great. Okay, good. So we start back and forth, boom, and I felt impressed to ask him a question. I said, I said, excuse me, I'm wondering Ching Wen, excuse me. Do you? What is your faith? What faith do you belong to? And he immediately, without hesitation, says, "Oh, I am half Christian." Wow, I've never heard that before. You know what I was tempted to say is, "Which half? Like this top half, the right side? What? What?" But he was honest. And I said to him, what do you mean half Christian? And he said, oh, because you see, I grew up in a Buddhist home and my parents are still alive and I still need to respect them and we have our our ancestor worship at home and I I need to burn uh, money for this and that and the other. And he said, but I'm going to the university and I have Christian friends and they take me to church on the weekend and it's wonderful. I like it. So I'm half Christian. I appreciate his honesty, but I find as I listen to that that the Holy Spirit was touching my heart saying, Bob, Why is it that many times you are a half-Christian? We wear the name, but sometimes our life is indistinguishable from that of those who don't wear the name Christian. Do you follow me, brothers and sisters? God does not want Jesus, our Lord, is not asking for a bunch of mama hoo hoo Christians to be his followers. He wants followers that are completely and sold out to Jesus Christ. I think of Pastor Way, and you know what? I forgot to say you can go back on to the live stream now. You can go back on the live stream. Pastor Way, this is not his name, real name, pastor of a house church, was repeatedly arrested. The church had to move from place to place in order to try to evade the authorities. Pastor Way was beaten. Whenever he was taken in, he was questioned and threatened. But the church continued to meet and this weekend he got his stuff ready, put it in his bag. No, wait a minute, you're saying, get stuff. you mean his Bible? Yes, his Bible. But he also brought a bag full of things and he took it to the church and as he's there in the middle of the church service, sure enough, the security police come in and they have everybody leave and they question the pastor and they arrest him and they're walking out the door and Pastor Way says to the police, do you mind? I would like to take that bag there in the corner with me to the jail. And Pastor Way said, please, do me that one favor. I need that bag with me. The police immediately became very suspicious, and they said, what is this bag about? So they went and they opened it up, and sure enough, there was the Bible and there were some other... What are all these clothes? Why do you have these clean clothes in this this plastic bag? And Pastor Way said to him, well, you know, I figured that this might be the day that I was arrested again. So I just thought it would be nice and comfortable for me to have an extra set of clothes when I am sitting in jail. Now you might be thinking, well, what in the world about these clothes? Is it that big a deal? I don't even think about the clothes when I think about this story. You know what I think about? Why would he even go to church if he knew he was going to be beat up again? If he knew that he was going to be arrested totally at peace, totally at one with his calling in Christ. He even thinks to bring clothes so that he will have a more comfortable stay in jail. Can you hear me this morning? If you knew that to come to camp meeting today, you might not go back for many weeks because you'd be spending in prison. Would you have gotten in your car and brought some extra clothes for your jail time? Why could Pastor Way do this? Because to him, to live was Christ. To him, there was no option to skip church. To him, there was no way he could say to the authorities, okay, I guess I'll stop my work that God has called me to. That's impossible. It's impossible. To him, his life was wrapped around Christ. Brothers and sisters, the Seventh-day Adventist Church needs you now more than ever. We are living in the end of time. I believe that. Jesus is coming soon. And now we need, as his remnant church, as his disciples, we cannot afford to be mama hoo hoo Christians. He is calling us to be completely surrendered to Jesus Christ. And that means you surrender everything. Your remote control, your phone, your wallet, your time, your health, everything, your relationships, they're all to Jesus, I surrender. You know, today people are obsessed with supermen and superwomen and batmen and batwomen and spider-men. Why? Why are the box office and the theaters full of people crowding in to see all about these superheroes, I would like to suggest to you that the world in its blindness senses that there is a greater reality. There is a universe next door, but they can't find it. They don't know that they don't need Spider-Man. They need Christ, the man. It's when we come to Him that we find the strength, the hope, and the faith to move forward. It is Him in our life through His Holy Spirit that lets us face the trials, that, faces, fa- that helps us face the insecurities of the future. When He is walking by our side every day, the world is different because we don't just see what our eyes capture. We see beyond to the eternal life that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen? Reminds me, of Pastor David Lynn. Pastor David Lynn was one of the leaders of the church in about in the late 1940s, early 1950s, and because of his faith, because he was a pastor, he was taken and imprisoned for 15 years. The flip other part of the story is that this left his wife with five children alone. And one of those children now works in our union office. Her name is Ruby, and she shared this story with Audrey, and Audrey shared it with me. Because Audrey asked her, I said, tell us about your experience. What did you go through when your dad was in prison those years, right during the Cultural Revolution? And she shared this this story, which just really touched our hearts because here is this mother with her children and she was given an apartment and she said you in order to live here you must two hours a day sweep all the common areas in this apartment complex two hours a day every morning two hours a day and she said fine i'm happy to do that but i cannot do that on sabbath morning i can do it saturday night they said no that is counter-revolutionary you must do it in the morning at the beginning of this time as she was concerned that her children might be taken away she tells us that Ruby tells us about her mother and the experience telling us that she compromised she went ahead and and swept the common areas that first sabbath and the next sabbath and finally after that happened she went to her children and brought them together and said children I am sorry I have let you down, and most importantly, I have let God down. I cannot and I will not offend my Redeemer. This is his holy Sabbath day. I will not work. And when the day came, the next Sabbath came around, Ruby tells the story that the kids were left in the apartment. She was taken by the police because she did not come at the assigned time taken by the police to the police station which is right at the base of the apartment complex and she was beaten and beaten and the kids could hear her screams Ruby says that our secretary that's at the office says that even now she can close her eyes and she can hear her mother screams and every Sabbath for weeks on end she was beaten every Sabbath every Sabbath and finally Ruby says that all the kids got together one Sabbath morning And they knew about the time that that beating would take place and they knelt down and they said, Dear Jesus, please protect our mother. She is trying to hold fast to your commandments and honor you because she loves you. Please, please protect. And there was silence. There was no screaming this time. A few minutes later, the mother came in with a big smile on her face. They said, they finally allowed me to sweep the common areas after sundown every Saturday. And those kids were just elated. The mother said, What time were you playing? Praying. We were playing at this time. That's exactly the time I faced the police, and they gave me the freedom to come and sweep in the evening. How could Ruby's mother endure, endure beatings, Sabbath after Sabbath, endure the possibility of her children being taken away? It's because. For her, the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are unseen are what? Eternal. It's about her worldview. She committed her children to Christ. She committed her life to Christ. She committed her husband to Christ who spent 15 years in prison. Brothers and sisters, in a world where the entertainment industry and self-gratification seem to be the central theme of our culture, It is time for us to be wholly dedicated to Jesus Christ. Oswald Chambers, you all have read his his book, says this. The destined end of man is not happiness. It is not even health, but it is holiness. And what he means by that, if you read that chapter, what he's saying is we are holy. His completely surrendered to him we are not half Christians but we are fully committed disciples of Jesus Christ so what about you this morning have you been cruising through life with half your sails up have you been cruising through life as a half Christian it is time to be wholly dedicated to Jesus Christ it is time for us to be fully surrendered. We are living at the end of time. Now is the time for 100% commitment and surrender to Jesus Christ. I came across a, a picture recently that kind of helped me understand what surrender is all about. You know, a few years ago, my wife, Audrey, and I and our kids took a little vacation. We were living in Spokane and We went down to Crater Lake. And if you've ever been to Crater Lake, you know that that lake water is all glacial snow melt. So therefore, even though the outside was about 85 degrees, guess what temperature that water was? I understand it's like in the 50s or high 40s. It was cold. And we came across this this high rock. And my kids came up with this brilliant idea. Let's jump in from way up there into the water. I said, well, guys, you know, the water's quite cold, and you're not really sure what's down underneath there. You need to go check to see. And so, oh, we'll go check. They check. Everything was fine. And so, sure enough, one by one, the kids went off this probably 20, 25-foot-high rock. Boom, boom, boom. Then finally, my wife, who is ex- much more adventurous than I, just followed them off that. And then they all look at me. So, due to the immense peer pressure that I felt at that particular moment, I also climbed that rock. And let me ask you, if I may, as I decided and finally took that leap off that rock, as I began to fall towards that water, could I have said, you know what, upon further consideration... I would like to please, if I could just go back up there. I've changed my mind. There is no turning back. Are you with me? When you step off there, that's called surrender. There's no turning back. You are all in. Amen? And this is exactly what Jesus is asking you to do today. To not just put your toes in the water, but to jump off completely surrendered to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so as I close this morning, I'm wondering if you came in here as a mama who, who half Christian, but now you want to say, I want to commit all to Jesus. If you want to say today, I want to jump off. I want to be 100% living in the other universe. I invite you to stand with me this morning. You're standing careful. You're jumping off. There is no turning back. It's time that Christ's remnant church be 100% on fire for Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? amen? Fully surrendered, completely in, all the way. And I can guarantee you, brothers and sisters, those of you who are standing, that every morning as you wake and you talk to your king, the king of the kingdom of heaven, He will guide you. He will ask you at times to do radical things, uncomfortable things. He will ask you to do some things that you've never thought of. But I want to encourage you, do them. Jump off. Stay committed to Him. Share your love. Live for Him. And enjoy the adventure that is the life lived in Christ. Let us pray. Father in heaven, you see my brothers and sisters standing. We're all standing. We're standing because we are convicted by your Holy Spirit that you are calling us to full surrender. Dear Jesus, we know we're living in a time that is resembling more and more the times of Noah. We are living at the end of time. And now more than ever, you are calling us to be completely committed to you, surrendered to you. Living not for the things of this world, but for the things of eternity in heaven. Dear Jesus, open our eyes, please. Every day, may we see the things that are eternal, not just the things that are temporal. May we make decisions and places, values of our heart, the things that are eternal, not the things that are temporal and pass away. Dear Jesus, I commit these people to you. Fill them. Fill us all with your Holy Spirit that we will walk with you from now until we see you face to face. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.